Welcome to Biopics Mostly Suck, the podcast where we provide the true story behind movies based on a true story. Today we will talk about the movie Norma Ray, a movie about a woman named Norma Ray who works with a New York union organizer to bring a union into her southern cotton mill company town. The movie is directed by Martin Ritt and stars Sally Field as Norma Ray, Bo Bridges as Norma's husband Sonny, and Ron Liebman as the union organizer Ruben Warchowski. My guests for today's episode, I'm very happy to have both of them here, are Don and Lolita. Don grew up in a union family on the East Coast and understands the life of a union member. Lolita is a union organizer and is full of information that can lift the mysteries of how unions work and how people organize a union to come into their place of business. Lolita is also a founder of the not-for-profit organization Crossing Guardians, an organization that works to save and improve the lives of abused, neglected, and homeless animals suffering and struggling to survive along the California-Mexico border. They are an organization that is doing much-needed work, please take a moment to take a look at their website at crossingguardians.org and see what you can do to make a donation or to foster an animal. Norma Ray gets a 7.3 out of 10 rating from the Internet Movie Database, an 89% fresh rating from Rotten Tomatoes, and a 61% rating from Metacritic. How is Norma Ray as a movie? And how is it as a medium to document a driven woman and a company that did not want a union in their shop? We will rate Norma Ray for entertainment and as fact, and give a grade at the end of the episode. If you're ready, let's get started. If not, just hit pause. We'll still be here. I love her. Union rep, man. I'm telling you, one of these days. So I, I just want to confirm: okay to refer to you as a business agent? Yeah, I, maybe people will probably understand better if you say union rep for a union organization. Well, yeah, people don't understand business some people agent. Don't understand business agents. Then maybe that'll be the first thing we explain. I don't. I really don't know why they did call us a business agent. I really don't. Yeah. I, I, I always say it's my union rep. Yeah, but they call ours business agents too. Do they? They do. Business. Bus- I'm business. You, yeah, it doesn't make any. When you sense. say business agent, they're thinking business, not union work. Yeah, but call me whatever you want. Official ball buster. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see those pins. Oh my god, we should make those. We should. Uh, of what? Like a smash testicle. Oh my god. Ball Set of testicles in a vice. <laughs> oh Jesus. And then going, yeah, with sweat. <laughs> <laughs> could you put your legs down? Yeah, could you put your legs down? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> could you put your legs down? <laughs> That's gonna Thanks, have a whole guys. new meaning. Uh-huh. Could, could you put your legs could down? Could you put your legs down? <laughs> well, I'm so glad I could bring that off a non sexual context. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 See, well, you know, most men don't have big old ankle hangers. They no. <laughs> We're sorry, Rob. No, no I fully We're expected sorry. this because okay. anytime okay. the two of you get together, <laughs> I, I end up 
It, something happens. Something happens. Yeah, that's true. So, so I, know. I don't know what's going to happen with this episode. Yeah. Okay. I do have to tell you, though, one of the guys at work has an office wife and wife, and it's the same thing. Yeah, see? There they you just, go. It, if you want to take on an extra wife, you just have to expect this is going to happen. And, and yeah, I was giving Don a hard time earlier <laughs> today, and she said, hey, I'm cooking dinner for your wife. <laughs> I love it. I love you. I love you, Don. I love you too. <laughs> I'm cooking dinner for your wife. That's right. Leave her alone. Right? And we should bring everyone else into the joke because Lolita here is my office wife of how many years? How long have we known God, each other? 98, isn't it? 97? When did you start? 96. Yeah, but we didn't really get to no, know each other about 98. We didn't know each other. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Because we worked at an office for a healthcare agency, and how long were you there before you left to become a business agent? Eight years. Eight years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so, and a business agent is your title for a union. Union. Mm-hmm. Union being a representative for workers at a company. That's right. Just getting the basic definitions out of there, because what are we down to on union membership in today's age? Who. Not many, not compared to many, many years ago. We're just losing membership left and right. Is it 10%? Because that was the last no, I heard. It's it, less? It's, no, it's a little bit more now. More than 10? Yeah. You mean it's grown? It's grown. No I think kid- it's about like 11, 12%. And this is 11, 12% of the working population working in the United States. population, S- right. Of just the United States. Just the United States. That are represented by a union. Mm-hmm. And at the time the movie we're going to talk about today, Norma Ray came out, that number was at 21%. Wow. And this movie came out in 1979. Yeah. 1979. And then fucking Reagan came in and decimated the whole thing. Of course he did. He started with... Um, the air traffic controller. The air traffic controller. 12,000 air traffic controllers who were striking and he fired them. Yep. Yep. Which really just, which is ironic because he was in charge of the Screen Actors Guild for seven years as the president. Mm, weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because well, he, he was arguing even then that it was communism to have unions, but no one, no one, I don't think, called him out on it. No. No, they elected him governor of California. And then president. And then president twice. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Norma Ray presents a story of a woman who fights to get a union into her cotton mill plant. We're going to go into more detail on this. But there are there are a number of things that I think if someone's not familiar with a union and they watch this movie, they're going to question whether these things happen. Things such as the difficulty of just handing out leaflets. And you can let me know if you've experienced these things. Have you yeah. experienced this? Because you, you organize too, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what is organizing like? Is it a lot like what's shown in the movie with Ruben coming into town and trying to get a union in? You get a lot of pushback. But how do you initially as an organizer get brought in? Well, believe it or not, um, two ways. One, they'll contact our office. Mm-hmm. Or two, I'll get a lead from just talking in different conversations, like someone will start complaining about their environment and I'll say, Oh, who do you work for? And then from that conversation, it go leads to a, 
other conversations, particularly trying to unionize, to organize them. And it's hard. I will tell you this. It's not easy. I think everybody knows it's hard to organize people from working for Walmart, right? So they are really afraid to talk to you. I actually walked into a, a Walmart store wearing a union pin and a shirt. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of heat. From who? From, empl- from the employees. From the employees of Walmart? Yeah. In fact, I went to pay for whatever I was buying. And, oh, I was attacked, literally attacked by one of the um, the service reps. Like, it's the cashiers. Why do you, you know, what are you wearing that shirt for? And it's just, it's just like, because I, you know, I believe in unions. Oh, they're nothing. I mean, it was very, very, very critical. And, and, and that's the, their idea of customer service. Exactly. I mean, he was just make- talking, smiling, but the, with the smile on his face, of course. But uh, we were also followed. No kidding. Mm-hmm. By two managers, <clears throat> afraid that wow. we were going to start, you know, talking about unions. And this was staff at a Walmart that only knew you as a customer. Only knew me as a customer. I was only I was wearing a union shirt and a union butt. So it's very difficult. Yeah, people are are afraid to organize because you know if you think about it, people do not want to lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Sure, and they will come up with any reason to to fire you. Wow. They can't say because you're wearing a union button. They're going to all of a sudden say, uh, you you took your breaks too long. You're missing. You're not doing this right when a person's been doing the same job for many years. So that that is the reality. So watching this movie, it's, it's a lot of it is reality. So this movie is 41 years old now, mm-hmm. 41 years old, but it doesn't seem like much has changed in that regard. No. Okay, so we're going to start as we usually do. We're going to talk about the plot of the film for this episode, which is Norma Ray. Norma Ray Webster works in a cotton mill that has taken a toll on the health of her family, not to mention her entire community. The working conditions in the mill are poor. She is a single mother with two children from different fathers and is bored and lonely in her small town, which causes her to have flings with other men. Wait. It causes her to have flings with other men? Well, this is what the movie's showing, is that the boredom and the monotony of that type of company. Does it cause her to do that? Or does she choose to fight the boredom by doing this? Let's honor her autonomy. Okay. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask, where do you see a difference between the two? Because... Do you think she would have had flings with other men if she was feeling fulfilled in what she was doing and the life she was living? Is that what she called them? They don't cause her to do that. She doesn't get bored and be held down by the boredom and get forced to give a guy a blowjob because she's bored. She makes choices to pass her time in ways that include having sex with men in in the community. What doesn't cause her to do that? Causing implies that she has been made to do it by that. Ah, I see where you're coming She's from. not being coerced into doing it. Was a, it it was her choice to do it. Yeah. But it's always said about teenagers in small towns, what choices do they have for entertainment? Right, but that's not the same as cause. It's cause because you live in a small town where there's no fucking thing to do. I, I mean, I think it, I see it as semantics. No, it's not semantics because they're very different things. I mean, no when, when you're saying there's a lack of opportunity to engage yourself, yes, that's sort of what's left. But you still have choices. She is still a grown woman. She obviously has a strong mind of her own. It wasn't just out of 
feeling compelled because she was bored. True, but there's a growth to her character in the movie as well. Absolutely. And that includes her relationships with men. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we're just saying this is where she started. It's it's not a judgment on her character. Maybe that's where she sees her value and she starts to recognize more of her value. Yeah, she grows out of that. Because then you could very easily say Reuben coming to town caused her to grow. I think it helped her grow. Yeah, but it was it, it's what ignited it. We were only the second paragraph in. <laughs> yes. Hold the feminist stand for later, okay? <gasps> you want to just get up on the table and hold up a sign now? <laughs> is, is that what you want to do? Can we move on now? Yes. Oh, you both answered on that one. <laughs> yes, I did. You both answered. I'm yes, just saying. Well, yeah. I knew it. I was fucked when we came in here. <laughs> I knew it. I absolutely knew it. Can we agree Norma Ray has flings with other men? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Counselor. Did I mention she speaks her mind? She does, and she calls out the poor working conditions to management at the mill, which seems like a daily exhausting struggle of rolling a rock up a hill. Management tries to silence Norma by making her a spot checker, a role where she is responsible for making sure other workers are filling their work quotas. She makes more money in that role, but when her friends in the mill turn on her, including her father, and call her a fink, she demands to be fired. She is instead demoted to the back of the line. But you know why they made her the spot check, right? Just to shut her up. She then meets two men who fill very different needs. The first is a former co-worker, Sonny Webster, played by Bo Bridges. He asks her out after causing trouble for her in the mill. Norma is lonely, and Sonny is a good enough man that when he proposes marriage, she accepts. I, I think it shows her pragmatism. She's, you know, he says, I have these things, you have these things. It seems like it would be a decent partnership, in essence, is what he says. There are limited opportunities there. It would make her life probably a little easier, in theory. It seems like a very practical thing that she does there. Very. What do you think? I don't even think she loved him. I don't think so either. I think she married him because, again, it was practical. The other man is a union organizer from New York City, Ruben Wachowski, played by Ron Liebman, which I have to say, before I saw this movie, at your instigation, because I had never seen Norma Ray before. Can you, no. can you believe that? I Are you serious? Yes. I did not know that. No. It's a little shocking, isn't it? Like a lot of people, I just knew the scene where she holds up the sign yeah. that says union. I, I had never oh. seen it. So I had only known Ron Liebman from Zorro the Gay Blade. He was on that one? And Archer. Okay. Yeah. Archer, yeah. He he played... Oh, you know Archer? Yeah. You're, you're a fan of Archer? No, I know that. But okay. I'm not a fan of it, no. Okay. But I've I've seen him in that. But I forgot that he played Wachowski. Yes. Believe it or not. Because I saw the movie a long time ago. When I saw him, I went... Oh my God, you're right. Rodley plays him. She listens to Reuben give a speech and she joins his effort to unionize the mill. Sonny becomes angry that Norma is not spending enough time at home. Norma becomes more encouraged to unionize the mill when her father dies of a heart attack on the job after being required to wait for his break. Mm. He was having the heart attack 15 minutes before his break and the manager told him he had to wait. 
And then he went face first into a basket of spindles. Management retaliates against the organization efforts, first by rearranging shifts so workers are doing more work with less pay. Have you seen this happen before? When organizing? No. No, that one? No. Okay. And then by posting racially inflamed flyers in hope of dividing white and black voters and diluting the momentum. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that one? No. Well, oh, that really bothered me because it is true. But it bothered me. Well, I would imagine you see tactics like that that depends on the local community and culture and mm -hmm. what they know is going to incite people right. and divide people. Right. Wachowski wants Norma to copy the racist flyer word for word in order to use it as evidence for government sanctions against the mill. Management tries to prevent Norma from copying it and then fires her for creating a disturbance. The police are called to remove her from the plant. This is when Norma goes back to her workstation, grabs a piece of cardboard, and writes the word UNION in all capital letters. She stands on her work table and slowly spins around so everyone can see the sign. One by one, her co-workers stop their machines, creating silence in the mill. And that was the iconic moment in the movie. Yeah, if you know nothing else about this exactly. movie, you've seen that still of mm -hmm. Sally Field. Or they always show that clip on Academy Awards. Yeah. Every Academy Awards they show it. Was it was powerful. It's a powerful statement without yeah. saying anything. It's incredibly powerful. One of my <clears throat> places of employment, we tried to bring in a union. And we failed. Mm. <laughs> One of the things that they did was start promoting people into salaried positions. Of course. Because that lessens the voter bank. Yeah, of course. And then the other thing they did was they went after the single moms and threatened to fire them. Oh, wow. And they said in a meeting, we're doing things that are illegal. We don't care. Go for it. Mm -hmm. And they scared enough people and promoted enough people. That's what I hear. Yep. The promotion. To get him into a salary position? Oh, yeah, and people are going to take it. Of course. After Norma stands on her work table and holds the sign, she is dragged to jail but freed on bail by Reuben. When she gets home, she has a talk with her children about their lineage to head off anything that may be said in town or by the press. The tension at home with Sunny increases. When the union vote is held, the workers of the mill vote to unionize, by a difference of 100 votes, Reuben shakes hands with Norma and heads back to New York City. Yeah, no love story there. No. No, no romantic angle either. No. Not at all, which I had read that the director, Martin Ritt, didn't want to make it seem like Reuben is just going town to town and yeah. betting women. Right. Well, and even if it wasn't his intention, I think that's part of what the two of you were talking about in terms of Norma Ray's growth. Right. There was no <clears throat> question in her head where her worth was in this. Right. Mm -hmm. It was her knowledge of the town that she imparted to him. Stop making those flyers look like that. Write it in small words. Yeah, words. Mm -hmm. Use fewer words. They don't want to read all this. She took him to the back streets where she knew people would right. be. Talked with him in the bar, mm -hmm. given him legitimacy, and she never said any of these things, but you saw these things happening. Not once did she think she was going to show her value by throwing her legs up over her, right. her yeah. ears. Right. He needed her in order for yeah. this to be successful. Yeah. They needed each other. It was yeah. a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. And she reflected her self-worth in what she offered up. Right. And mm -hmm. I think 
for the first time, I mean, other than her dad, and and of course her recent relationship with Sonny, I think there was a, a male figure that respected her. You know, which I think that is says a lot for her and her self worth. You know, the the attraction was there though. There was no doubt there was attraction. Mm-hmm you know, between them. But I'm glad it didn't go there. So at the end of the movie, when he drives off in his Ford Pinto, which is loaded up with banker's boxes. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw it and I said, geez, I sh-. the first thing I thought of was, that's a Pinto? I hope he doesn't, no one hits him from behind because <laughs> it's going to explode. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. The first thing Don said is if that were today, he'd have a jump drive. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, he's got to drive straight through to New York with with a Pinto loaded with banker's boxes. Yeah, when he said, I thought, I don't think he's going to make it to New York with on his car. I sure hope he doesn't hit a rainstorm. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. Oh my god! Oh, but hey, different time, right? Mm -hmm. When people drove Ford Pintos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, some notes on the film. At the time the movie was released, 21 million Americans belonged to a union, which represented 23% of the salaried workforce. We talked about Reagan firing the mm-hmm. 12,000 air traffic controllers, and union membership has declined ever since that took place. In 2018, 14.7 million workers were unionized, making My up God. 10.5% of the workforce. Yeah. So 11%, you said? Yeah, so, yeah, about 11%. Did you know this was filmed in a real cotton mill? No, in, in so it wasn't a makeshift. Wow. Opelika, Alabama is where it was filmed, and it was a unionized cotton mill. Wow. So that's how they convinced them to go in. They were already unionized. They were already, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unionized yeah. cotton mill in Opelika, and the people who you see working in the mill work in the mill. Wow. The people who you see walking in at the beginning of the shifts – those are all people of the town. No kidding. Those are them. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. The motel scenes were filmed at the Golden Cherry Motel, which I think is the name they use in the movie. It is. Which is unusual to use the real name of the location when it's not a landmark. Yeah. But the Golden Cherry Motel is still open, and you can stay there. Wow. I think I want to go there. It's a union landmark. Yeah, let's go back. So you can still stay at the Golden Cherry Motel, and this is one of very few films that have been made about the labor movement, which I'm very surprised about because Hollywood is largely a union town. One thing I've always wanted to ask someone who says they don't like unions is, well, let me see your DVD collection. Mm. All those movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe you have that as you sit there watching the credits while you're waiting for that scene at the end of the credits Mm -hmm. to happen, you notice those strange little symbols that pop up that say SAG and AFTRA and IATSE and uh, DGA. Those are all unions. Unions, right. Screen Actors Guild, Directors Guild, Theater Workers. Those are all union workers who made that movie. Those are union workers playing those superheroes. And if you don't like unions, why do you support the film so much? Yeah. One of the conversations I'll have with people is to say, well, I don't need a union. I can represent myself if I'm meeting with a manager. So, okay, tell me how that goes. So Mm -hmm. the manager has HR. They have legal. 
They have risk management. They probably have an executive team. Probably someone from compliance. Someone from compliance. Possibly a board of directors, depending on what's going on. Depending on what type of entity or business it is. And who do you have? Well, I'm there. Okay. (laughs) So, you are going to go up against HR, compliance, risk management, legal, their executive team. Tell me how that's going to go. Right. Yeah. Tell me how it went for you. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could pay your union dues. Yeah, but people really don't connect. I mean, the fact that I'm in this business as a union rep, they really don't get the connection. I always hear, well, what's the union doing? You know, what what can the union do for me? And I always say, are you getting your pay? I just want to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. we... we negotiate your pay so you haven't gotten less right you haven't had any reduction no what about your benefits did you get your benefits you know did you pay for your copay because you know we negotiated that the copay would just Mm -hmm. be five dollars they don't understand that a lot of the labor laws that exist today are because of the unions well vacation vacation everything exactly if you don't i mean vacation in a contract is guaranteed you work for i mean i've worked for non-union jobs most of my jobs were with unions but the, the companies that I worked for that were non or the smaller, if I had vacation plans, mm-hmm. they, they'll say, oh, got to cancel it. Sorry, so-and-so is out sick, so you have to cover for that person. It's like, well, wait a minute, I made plans. Well, yeah. sorry, just got to cancel it. But when you're a union, you have the collective bargaining agreement. They have to uphold whatever's in there. And so a lot of people do not get the connection. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and they don't read the contracts. No, no. They have they no idea. No. Now, I've always said the contract is the rules of the game. I I mean, how many times have you played Monopoly? And how many times do people always have to go back to the directions? A lot. Right. How much money to give out at the beginning? Yeah. What do you do with free parking? Yeah. So people are always referencing the rules on Monopoly. People don't reference their union contracts that often. No. Yeah. It's really funny because when I have to represent someone and they'll call and say, you know, so-and-so happened and so-and-so and I think they're violating my rights. I always say, can you tell me what article in the contract that it violates? And they'll say, no. And I said, well, have you looked at the contract? No. So how do you know your rights are being violated in the contract if you don't, you know, if you haven't picked it up and read it? And then they say, well, that's what I pay my union dues for. <laughs> that's, that's why you're here. That's why you're, that's why you're here. Yes. But we can't be everywhere. You know, yeah. we're, not, we're not omnipresent. You know, this is why you have the contract. Read it. Educate yourself so you know what your rights are. Yeah. And, and Don, your experience with the unions, you grew up in a union family, right? I did. A lot of my family members Woo-hoo. were in unions. Woo! Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. I, I joke. It's not really quite, obviously, this deep, but I would joke, you know, everyone, including the paper boy in the neighborhood, That's funny. was unionized <laughs> because, you know, I grew up in the 70s and I grew up back east. Mm-hmm. So everybody was unionized. The guys who... Drove the trucks to deliver the newspapers so that everyone had a New York Times in their dispenser at the local candy store or where you got your egg cream. Those guys were unionized. The Coca-Cola drivers were unionized. The guys who were Mob Bell were unionized, right? People in my family were unionized. There were good benefits. Yeah. Good pay. You know, you could have a dignified lifestyle, You know, you didn't have a lot of what you wanted necessarily, but the things that you needed, basic needs and and some extra that let you live a middle class life were there because whether the company valued you truly or not, 
they valued you via the negotiation right. mm-hmm. into the contract, right. and people were paid a living wage. Uh, a living wage? What's that nowadays? That's when you have three jobs in order to keep a roof over your head, right? Hmm. Yes, and you yeah. drive Uber or Lyft or Postmates between going one job to the next. Right. So Norma Ray as a movie, I found it very entertaining. I, I loved it. I love Sally Field in just about anything she's in. Right. Uh, she's a favorite of mine. You see, you see how much he smiles when he says Sally Field? Hey, smoke. <laughs> come on. I, you know, I was 10 and Smokey and the Bandit, you know? <laughs> that that was it for me. Yeah. By the way, did you know Smokey and the Bandit came out just a few days after Star Wars? No. Same week. Same week. Star Wars came out on a Wednesday. Smokey and the Bandit came out on the Friday. I didn't know that. And I saw both of those in the theater. I remember my dad taking us to see Smokey and the Bandit, and that was it. Sally Which one Field. did you like better? Sally, the one with Sally <laughs> Well, they serve different needs. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. <laughs> You're making me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I found Norma Ray to be very entertaining, and, uh, and yeah, I thought it was very, very well done. I, I agree. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Again, I, I saw it recently because I saw it very, a long, long, long time ago. And I, I thought, I forgot how much I really enjoy this movie. And now I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Now that I'm actually a union rep. Yeah. You know, I look at it. I'm, I'm smiling because I'm like, oh, yeah, that really happens. Oh, yeah. You know, you know that's how people are. They'll, you know, if you're going to try to, you're, they're going to act like they don't know you. They mm-hmm. don't want to have anything to do with you because they don't want to be associated with you. So a lot of that um, things that they were showing uh, were true on how people behaved. So I found the mo- movie to be very, very, very good. Very interesting in a different perspective. Good. And Don, your thoughts on the movie? I loved it. I just love this movie. It's entertaining. I think it gives good bullet points of what it looks like to bring in a union. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really show necessarily how arduous it can be Mm -hmm. and what a long time, what years that it can take or the process of slowly bringing in person after person and getting those cards signed. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the cards. So when someone signs a card, Mm -hmm. that moment in the hotel room where he says, sign the card, and she signs it. So what are the implications when someone signs that card? They're agreeing to organize. That's that's the implication. And you have to have, <clears throat> those are what's called um, check card. And you have to have a certain percentage of the, of the workforce. I think it's 50% plus one. Our union, we like to go 75%. Because after this whole process is said and done, it's, it eventually will go to the National Labor Relations Board. And it's always better to have a lot more than 50% plus one. Because when you vote, that's where it's really going to matter. So the 75% gives you a, I guess, more assurance on how the vote would turn yes. out. But the 50% plus one, is that what's required by the National Labor yes. Relations Board? Uh-huh. 50% okay. plus one. But I, I want to go back to when I... The perspective of, of the movie when I saw it in the past and, and now. Now I see her focus was to unionize. When I first saw the movie, I thought it was more towards feminism. Oh, uh, sure. And her rights. Okay. You know, of being a strong woman in the 70s, you know, women were burning their bras and, you know, and, and 
making this whole ruckus so we can have rights. So when I watched that first, I really thought that that it was more towards her her belief in feminism. Mm-hmm. Now when I see it, no, her purpose was to unionize, you know, which I thought was kind of uh, interesting. Let's go ahead and find out what you would give Norma Ray on a scale of four stars, one being a bad film, four being a great film. This one I would give a solid four just because I think the writing and the casting came together so well that even moments that might have come off as weak with other actors or other directors were just so tight and so entertaining and so embodied each of their characters. That moment when he's complaining that there's not food cooked and the milk is sour. And, oh, sunny, and, he, yeah. and he's got uh, a wrinkled shirt. Yeah. And she says, oh, you want dishes done? Let me." And she just throws the dishes in the sink. She says, you want some food cooked? And she starts grabbing yeah. stuff out of the refrigerator, throwing it in a pot. You want something ironed? She starts ironing it. And she says, you want to have sex? Just lift up my <laughs> skirt while I'm standing here. And we'll make love. We'll make love. She yeah. made it clear. Yeah. Look, these things may happen. Do not mess with me. Yeah. Do not trifle with me. I am doing important work. And are you seriously going to whine? A grown man, you cannot get a steak out of the refrigerator on your own. But she never said those words. No. But she made it clear that's what she thought. Right. And there were just these moments that were just that good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love in a good film. So for that, I give it a four because I just, it just delights me. Okay. Solid four from Dawn. Lolita? Um, uh-huh. I, I would give it a four, just the movie itself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'll go four as well. Yeah. All right. So fours all around. Fantastic. Perfect score of a movie for yeah. Norma Ray. Now let's go ahead and talk about the facts. And in this portion of the podcast, we will talk about how facts were presented in the film and the historical and factual accuracy of each item. At the end of the episode, we will rank the movie on a letter grade of A through F, based on how truthful we felt the film was. So let's get started. And where I want to start on talking about the facts is I want to talk about the real Norma Ray. Mm-hmm. Do you know much about the real Norma Ray? Yeah, I actually do. Okay. Isn't her name uh, Crystal Lee Sutton, right? Absolutely. It was Crystal Lee Jordan, but she divorced her husband and remarried to a gentleman named, last name is Sutton. Mm-hmm. Sutton. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Well, Crystal Lee Sutton worked at J.P. Stevens Plant in yeah. Roanoke, North Carolina, which is where this took place in actuality. She was a 32-year-old mother of three on her second marriage at the time. Her first husband was killed drag racing in the snow. In the movie, they say he died in a bar fight. But in reality, he died drag racing in the snow. That I didn't know. And I know he passed away. She was young. Uh, she was 20 years old, yeah. and he left her with a four-month-old. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. But that's what they say in the movie, too, is that her, uh, I think they say daughter was four months old, but I think in reality it was son. Son. Yeah, it was the son. He died drag racing in the snow? That I didn't know. They just said no. that he passed away when she was 20. I well, think he said 20, yeah. Uh, when the Textile Workers Union of America rolled into Roanoke Rapids, uh, she was bored with her life and her job, which, looking at that life i i had a very similar reaction that i had when watching a coal miner's daughter which was i could not live there yeah i could not live that life and i couldn't imagine being in a life where you are so stuck 
and there's no way out. Yeah. Because the company owned their homes. You're stuck every which way. Yeah. Well, and that was a lot in not just in this country, but in other countries as well. You know, it was called a company town for a very yeah, for a literal reason. Yeah. reason. Yeah. They yeah. owned the property. They owned the general store where they would give you credit at an excessive interest rate while they were not paying you enough money at the job you had for their corporation and make sure that you were essentially indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. So, Lolita, what you were saying about Sutton's interest in the union movement versus a feminist movement, turns out Sutton was more interested in the union movement mm. than she was in a feminist movement. As she worked to bring in the union, she was called a whore and treated like a pariah, because this is an area where people are fed anti-union rhetoric from a young age. Uh, It would be preached from the pulpit that unions were bad for you. They would be taught in school that unions are bad for you. They were told that a union would be a tool for black power. They were told that a union victory would shut down every mill, and the belief was that Even if you are poor, a bad job is better than no job. Mm. And bringing in a union would result in no job. Well, and I think all those things speak to what we were talking about earlier, that this bullet pointed a lot of those things. When her preacher refused to allow her to hold a union meeting in the church she had been a member in her -hmm. entire life, when they put up the false bulletin that the blacks were organizing to take power of the union to subjugate the whites. Um, You know, those sorts of tactics is very similar. Now, when you say you couldn't live like that, do you think that it takes a certain amount of inner strength then for them to get up every day and face such incredibly limited prospects? I I don't know what it takes. I, I would imagine at some point you just succumb to the situation. And, but I think that's also addressed in the movie when they're at the bar and Norma pulls Reuben over and Sonny's there. And Reuben is asking him, it mentions he's a union organizer and Sonny makes a comment of, it doesn't matter. The companies control everything. Mm-hmm. And Reuben says, yes, but do you like it that way? Right. And Sonny's response is, well, when I don't, I just drink. That's sad. And points to his, but that's true. But it is true. And points to his beer can. So I think at some point you just succumb. Some of the things I read, actually I saw this in a featurette about the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Sally Field, when she first went into the mill where they filmed, uh, she said, they have masks. Why don't they use masks instead of dying from black lung? Mm Mm-hmm. And the response from someone was... Is it black lung or brown lung? A brown lung, sorry. Brown lung for cotton workers was... It's a form of suicide. Mm. You know that this is going to take you at some point. So you go without the mask in order to accelerate that. Wow. There's no out. So then what either of you know about crystal lee sutton did she talk about what made it different for her right because we i mean we know this from union organizing from people who fight against oppression of any form there's people who are worn down by it in one way or another Mm. but then there are the people who rise up and in my experience people who rise up are typically internally driven 
but they also need to hear it from the outside that, that they're not alone. But even if they are, they speak up. With Norma Ray, I think she had that inner drive. That's what organizers look for. You know, when you're an organizer, you do look for certain people mm-hmm. that you know can drive what you need to get out. Because you do need those point people. And I and I think they he saw the inner drive. Do I think she had it? She had to have something in her to drive her to want to organize. If she was, she wasn't the only one. They show her saying to other mm-hmm. people, you need to speak up for that. You need mm-hmm. to say something about that. She was trying, but she was a singular person. She needed the union organizer to come in mm-hmm. yeah, to that's... bring all those other things to fruition. If it weren't for the organizer to come in and educate her and show her the way and show her the reason why this needs to be done, she would always be trying to push that needle that barely moves, but I think she would keep trying in hopes that she'll become a pest. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of what we see in the movie is true for Crystal Lee Sutton. Even the pieces that seem like they were made for Hollywood. If you've never seen the movie, if you only know one thing, you know of Sally Field standing on the table holding the union sign. Right. That happened in real life. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love that so much that that really happened. I know. I really, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that so much. And she was amazed, too, that when they started turning off the machine and they started giving her the victory sign, mm-hmm. she was amazed that that actually happened. And it happened just like you see in the movie. Yes. She was copying down the letter mm-hmm. and management confronted her about it and said they're going to call the cops. And she went to her workstation, wrote the sign stood on her table, held the sign for the co-workers to see. They turned off the machines and some held up their fingers in a V for victory Mm -hmm. sign. When she left the plant, she saw the police car and she pleaded with the sheriff to take her home, which you see in the movie. Right. Now, what you don't see in the movie is she clung to a chain link fence and they had to fight to release her fingers in order to drag her to the car and then stuffed her into the police car. Wow. I love her even more. Yes. She was charged with disorderly conduct, but the charges were dropped, and Crystal Lee Sutton became the most visible face of the effort to unionize Mm -hmm. J.P. Stevens. She was fired from J.P. Stevens, and a week later, she sat her children down. In reality, ages 13, 12, and 10. In the movie, she comes home from jail, and that same night, she wakes the children and tells them about their fathers and they were were younger in the movie and in reality she did that a week later later that summer she gave an interview to journalist henry lieferman for the new york times sunday magazine where she cleared all of the skeletons out of her closet she said everything about the men she knew and the town because that was the best way to diffuse any of it coming back Mm. to her that was a pretty smart tactic all right let's get it all out The article came out on August 5th, 1973, and was released as a book, a biography titled Crystal Lee, A Woman of Inheritance. Sutton said of her firing, the company just did me a favor because now I can work for the union full time. She worked for the TWUA office and handed out leaflets at the plant at the beginning and end of the shifts. She became so busy that her husband who did not want to give his name for Lieferman's article and was known by the nickname Cookie, 
Wow. Because, you know, no one will figure out who yeah. he is, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Who's who's Crystal Lee Sutton's husband? Cookie. Cookie. <laughs> but in reality, he took on the chores in the house. I mean, and imagine growing up in this environment where you have gendered roles. Mm-hmm. He took on those roles that would have been, quote unquote, a woman's role. That's fantastic, too. Yeah. <laughs> He was doing the chores when she would have white and black people from the mill over. Yes. He would still be doing the chores even when other men were at the house. Wow. And this is my favorite. When the editor for Ms. Magazine, Gloria Steinem, created a television program for PBS called Woman Alive, Sutton was interviewed in the premiere episode. She was interviewed sitting at her kitchen table with her husband in the background doing the dishes. Now, do you think Gloria Steinem did that on purpose to enhance the women's movement? Not so much glorifying Crystal Lee. Mm -hmm. See, now that's where I think where people are starting to intertwine the two Mm -hmm. of of feminism Mm -hmm. and, you know, unionizing. But hasn't, hasn't the union movement always been a combination of movements, a racial movement, a feminist movement? It's always been intertwined. But I don't know if that was what she thought. No, no. She was no. more for the union she aspect. She was more for the, the u- union aspect. aspect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when did she actually start trying to unionize? I think this was 74. Yeah, she se- she's, yeah 73, 74. Yeah. 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 Because so I, the vote happened so in, I want to say, 75. Yeah. Very shortly before the movie yeah. came out. So then I think it's also important to contextualize for your younger listeners. In the South, the Civil Rights Act had only passed 10 years before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these were communities that were still having to adjust to the fact that they were no longer allowed to hang signs that said white only, colored mm-hmm. only, yeah. refuse service to people based on their skin color. That is such an act of defiance in and of itself to have union meetings in their home where he's taking on Mm -hmm. these non-traditional gender roles, having people from different racial backgrounds in the home being under one roof, being welcoming to a Yankee, a Jewish Yankee. I mean, across the country was an adjustment, but in the South, it was certainly much more of an adjustment. Mm -hmm to say the least. And I just think that's that's important to put out there. It's just, it's experienced in this country still, but not the way it was then. No, not in the early 70s, no. no. And, and I always find it interesting. I go back and watch a movie after I've been doing research on it. Because what I find are things that that I just was not in tune with yet. And when I go back and watch Norma Ray now, what catches me and we're talking about Sunny slash Cookie uh, <laughs> doing the chores. But when Reuben brings her home from the jail, Sunny is doing the dishes. Oh, right. And he said he put the kids to bed. And he put the kids to bed. Yes. So that is hinting at this reality here. Yeah. And, and that's what I find in biopics is once you know the truth, when you watch it, you kind of view it through a different lens. Right, 
Right. Either good or bad. You go, oh, that absolutely didn't happen. Or you go, oh, this relatively minor thing here is alluding to something mm-hmm. much larger. Exactly. Which I think this is when he's doing the dishes when Reuben right. brings her home is that we know the reality now. Right. He took on those roles. He did those things while she was doing this work. Yeah. Well, you know, she got her job back, right? Yes. Yes. And then she actually got back pay. $13,000, I think it was. And she wages. went back for wow. two days just two to days. make a point. Yeah, And then she quit. She quit. Because she was working with the union. The union. She became an organizer. And yep. she worked for them for, like, I think, 10 years. But then she ended up filing a grievance against the union. Really? Yeah. She ended up filing a, a grievance against the union, saying that she was doing two jobs, but only getting one salary. Mm, got it. So then she left. You can't do that. I know. But... It, but it was amazing because you hear people from other unions. Like I read someplace where I um, cannot remember his name. He was the president of SEIU, I think. And he said he had the ple- uh, the honor of working with her to try to organize other. Um, wow. Males. Yeah. So she was, she was amazing. And this whole movie, you know, she had to fight to get approval rights for some of the, some of the context of the scripts. And she also had to fight to get some money from it. They didn't give her any money for this. This was about her. And in my research, what I usually find is I'll find mentions of things Mm -hmm. in various sources, which may mention it just a little differently in the next source, but things don't quite add up. Mm -hmm. For instance, I found that Crystal Lee Sutton advised on the film quite a bit for accuracy, but I also read she wasn't paid. Uh, that's probably what it was. And, and those two pieces didn't quite fit for yeah. me. Because why would she be an advisor on the film and not be paid? Mm-hmm. Why would she have an interest in doing this if she wasn't making anything out of it? I even found a People magazine article from April of 1979 that said she was anguished by her portrayal in the film and claimed that Sutton was asked to sign a movie release in exchange for a token $1 and she misunderstood it and paid $1. I could find nothing to corroborate that information at all. So what really happened? Well, what I found was I found a book about the director, Martin Ritt. Okay. And it quotes Sally Field as saying that Sutton was paid $25,000 for the rights to her story, but the lawyers talked her out of it. Now, the nice thing about this book is they used a lot of footnotes. And that footnote uh, led me to search for an interview about um, Crystal Lee Sutton Mm -hmm. from 1992. So I did a Google search on that. I think this is the first time in doing these episodes I've ever used someone's master thesis as a source. Okay. It led me to a master thesis, which gave the information that Sutton was offered $25,000 by the producers. To use her story. Okay. She refused it. And the reason she refused it is she felt if she agreed to it, she would lose having script approval. That's where that script approval now, comes in. Now it becomes now, less hazy, right? Because yeah. uh, I found multiple mentions of things, but nothing that tied it together. So That's now, where that comes. Okay. So now, now let's say Sally Field saying the lawyers talked her out of it. That's very reasonable. Mm-hmm. That could be in this situation, right? Right. That she would refuse it on a lawyer's advice, which is a possibility. 
when she did this, you know, it's her right to refuse it, right? Right. The producers went to uh, Lieferman, the journalist who had already published the biography about her. She had already given her life story to him. Okay. The producers knew this, and they went to her first. And when she refused... They they, went to him? They went to him. Mm. And they paid him for the right to use her story. But she ended up suing them, didn't she? There's some news she was upset about it. I haven't found anything about a lawsuit. Okay, try to look it up. I will do. She sued them... And they settled for $53,000. So look that look up that figure. Yeah. I, I will take a look for that. Yeah. and then Do we'll, the fact check on that. We'll do the fact check on it. Yeah. Uh, the other piece I want to talk about is that uh, the movie shows that Sutton was really the only person who was working with union organizer Ruben uh, Warchowski. Uh, mm. Well, it shows other people were brought in. Mm-hmm. But... It shows Norma Ray works with organizer Warchowski to bring the union into the cotton mill, and she works to bring union workers. She works to bring the workers together in an effort to secure a union shop. What really happened was we had talked about Sutton's backstory and love affairs and child born out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. She said, "I'm not worried about them knowing about the sex and all back then." The thing is, I wanted it to be a movie that was right about the union, about what we went through. In the movie, they make it look like it's only me that's important, but there were so many others. At the time the movie came out, J.P. Stevens, the real Mill Sutton was trying to unionize, had refused to come to the bargaining table for two years. So the vote wasn't the end of the story, because have you experienced this where workers can vote to organize but the company doesn't come to the table you have a year from the the time you vote Mm -hmm. you have you have to do it within a year okay yeah so the laws may have changed but i read that as well that they voted to unionize but it took them many years to come up with a contract am i correct many many years yeah because this effort had been going since 1963 Wow. Is when this organizing effort had started. When Norma Ray came out, Sutton went on a tour by the Reverend David Dyson, who spearheaded a boycott of J.P. Stevens, including an event in Los Angeles that Sally Field took part in. The movie Norma Ray helped to put pressure on J.P. Stevens to finally come to the bargaining table. Wow. As you can imagine, it takes more than just one woman to garner the support necessary for workers to yeah. vote for a union. But let's start out with who Crystal was really working with. It wasn't a good-looking Jewish guy from New no, York. No, it wasn't. You, you know who it was? It was a Serbian, a uh, middle-aged Serbian man from Philadelphia, from Pennsylvania, right? A 55-year-old former coal miner. But he was Serbian. He was Serbian. Yes, he wasn't Jewish. Serbian, and his name was Eli Zivkovic. Zivkovic, yes. <laughs> Zivkovic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. At the film's premiere, Crystal referenced the skinny dipping scene that's in the movie yeah. and said to him, isn't it a shame we didn't have that much fun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> no, that didn't happen at all. Uh, Eli really did give her a blank notebook titled, What Did the Company Ever Do For yeah. Us? And Crystal really did bring that into meetings with management to take notes, which they show in the movie. Mm-hmm. 
J.P. Stevens Corporation was the second largest textile company in the U.S. with 53 plants and 36,000 workers. Wow. So the effort wasn't just on this one plant. Weren't there seven or eight plants? In, it wasn't just J.P. Stevens, right? It was That was one of seven, right? Or seven or eight plants? Of 53 plants oh, for J.P. Stevens. Plants. With 36,000 workers. So in the movie, the effort's on this one plant. However, the Textile Workers Union of America, TWUA, felt that organizing cotton mill workers into unions would make a huge difference in organizing the South. Their campaign started in 1963 with two dozen organizers in two states. J.P. Stevens responded by firing. And you can just check these off if you've seen this happen in your work. Responded by firing. Mm -hmm. Coercing. Yes. Intimidating. Yes. Pro-union workers. Oh, yeah. The company went to the National Labor Relations Board to stop the union effort and appealed to federal courts. Company officials gave speeches and handed out pamphlets that claimed that unionization would cause conflict and terror in the community. Does this still happen today? I would say the intimidation tactics happens today. Um, that's why when we try to organize, we meet off campus. And we always say, bring people that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Because if the word gets out there, sure, they're going to come up with any reason to fire them, to union bust. So mm-hmm. that's why, yeah, I do. That's why we have to be very careful when we do it. We never go you know, there. We always say, let's get a group of people that you can trust. We'll meet at a restaurant. We'll talk about it. Um, so that's how we do it. And, and with that off-site mention, I wanted to ask you, because in the scene of the vote in the movie, it looks like the vote is being held in the mill. Yeah. Would that be unusual at the time? If you had, if it, like, for example, with just recently, right? We, they were able to vote, come on and, and at least do the voting. This one I thought was kind of odd that they actually in the mill counted Mm-hmm. In front of everybody. With management With there. management there, which yeah. I thought was really weird because usually it's it's not like that. No. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it was like that back then, but normally it doesn't happen this way. Where management stays, you know, just standing above waiting. Yeah, just uh-huh, like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, that doesn't really happen. Yeah. That was probably done for dramatic purposes. Do you think so? You don't think it really happened? Did you find that anywhere in your research? I, I didn't find anything specific on that, but from everything you're saying, I, I would say because that is a union function is to count the votes, mm-hmm. management wouldn't be there. No, yeah. But then they owned everything, like you said. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So where else could you go for, could you with go? that large number of people? Exactly. So maybe it had so maybe, to be held yeah. at their own. Right. Oh, very interesting. Legal battles and a reluctance among employees to meet kept the effort from moving along. By 1967, the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, found Stevens guilty of breaking the law in 21 out of 22 cases the union brought before it. Wow. The NLRB demanded that the company allow union access to company bulletin boards and direct access to employees in the plant. By 1976, the TWUA represented only 33,227 employees in the 58 plants in the South. 
1976, TWUA merged with Amalgamated Clothing Workers. The Amalgamated Clothing and Textile Workers Union had a combined membership of 400,000 members, more organizers, and more victories in plant elections in North and South Carolina. Excellent. At this time, the ACTW, as it was now known, decided to launch a national boycott of J.P. Stevens with the slogan, Don't Sleep with J.P. Stevens. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. They won significant publicity for the first time. The boycott was joined by the United Presbyterian Church and other faith groups, the National Association of the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, and other civil rights groups, and multiple college campus groups, and it was endorsed by a number of elected officials. So when we talk about the people who have to come together to make an organizing effort be successful, Mm -hmm. we aren't just talking the workers at the plant. Oh, no. Everybody has to be involved. Have you experienced where religious organizations are part of the effort? I haven't. No, no. Personally, no, I have not. No, but we know the happy Martin Luther King Jr. That's right. Organized mm-hmm. when the sanitation workers went on strike. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when he died in Memphis, too. Yeah. yeah. Was during that union action. It happens. Awesome. You you bring people together. Because I would go back to when Crystal Lee said, it wasn't just me. It was mm-hmm. just me in the movie. And right. I get why they do that. You you sensationalized it, it yeah, sensationalizes a little bit right. it makes it easier to tell the story and than i think that's 10 a, people. i think that's it more than sensationalizing because if they had put everything we're talking about you'd have a four-hour movie but they suddenly do show it by in the hotel they had different shifts remember mm-hmm. that that yeah. that one guy was late yep you know and and uh so you <laughs> she see freaked the people, out on she him. freaked out on him yeah uh, and he goes, you can t- you can talk to your husband that way, but <laughs> um, so I mean, so you can see that it wasn't just her; she was just like the forefront, yeah, you know, person to yeah. do that. After four years of direct action campaign, CEO Whitney Stevens came to the bargaining table in 1980. Wow, 1963. This effort when did started. They, okay, and when did they vote for the? To organize in 74? I want to say 74. 74? Yeah. Took that long. Took six years. that long to get them to the table. It's amazing. The company agreed to accept contracts at three major locations with a union dues checkoff. Those are the cards you talked mm-hmm. about earlier. And arbitration of disputes. What's that? Oh, you go through arbitration. So like grievances. Okay. It'll go through an arbitrator rather than going to court. The company also agreed to pay $3 million to the Roanoke Rapids Plants employees who had not had wage increases despite their successful vote to unionize in 1974. The union agreed to end its boycott and corporate campaign. Whitney Stevens promised to write a letter to the National Labor Relations Board General Counsel to pledge zero tolerance for unjust labor practices. Yes. And that's what happened to bring a union in. Wow. Do you find that it benefits workers to have an arbitration agreement in place? I do. I think it's a lot quicker process. Have you ever tried taking anything to court? <laughs> it yeah. takes a long time. And arbitration can take a long time as well, but not as long as if you take something to court. 
So, given all the information we found out about Crystal Lee Sutton and the drive to unionize J.P. Stevens on a letter grade of A through F, what do you think the film Norma Ray deserves? Based on the truth, the fact, and fiction? Mm-hmm. I say I would give it a B, mm-hmm. and not because each item in and of itself was accurate, but I think how they bullet pointed all those major points like we already discussed about what it takes to bring in a union how they represented the general atmosphere in Uh a community like that where a company owns everything and just how difficult it is and how they represented Norma Ray in general I think it gets a B okay well Lita I I was going to give it a B as well B or B minus because I think the concept mm-hmm. and some of the things that they portrayed is true, true to form. Um, there's just some things I have to question because I don't know the fact. And of course, um, there are other just small things. So I would say about a B. Yeah, I would say a B as well. Yeah. I, I think they've uh, very accurately portrayed Crystal Lee Sutton in the film. Mm-hmm. Even though it's interesting because we now know that she refused the money. Right. But even on the featurette that's on the DVD, what they say is they changed her name because she wanted to remain anonymous. Right. It wasn't that she wanted to remain anonymous. It was that you didn't have the rights from her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, had the right, you had the rights from the buyer. Yeah. And, but and, it, and all, it all connects yeah. now. It, it, it really yeah. does connect. Yeah. And yeah. Then what's also funny is Crystal Lee Sutton was told by the producers that they actually combined about five different women into the character of Norma Ray, which now we know how much of Crystal Lee Sutton's life tracks with the character of mm-hmm. Norma Ray. So Crystal wh- Lee Sutton's response was, well, I sure would like to meet them. We have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. So, Lolita, thank you for your expertise on unions, and thank you for thank you. doing this. And Don, yeah, that was amazing. It was amazing. It was so much fun. <laughs> and Don, thank you for doing this as well. Of course. All right. All take right. Care. Now it's time for us to fact check ourselves. We come to these conversations prepared, but sometimes we find ourselves going in a direction we weren't prepared for, or we mention some bad information. Or we just completely make stuff up. For instance, Lolita had mentioned that Crystal Lee Sutton sued the producers of Norma Ray and received a settlement of $53,000. She asked me to look a little further into this for when I do the fact check portion of the episode. I did some research and I could not find anything to verify the amount of $53,000, but I did find an obituary from the Los Angeles Times and it contained this following paragraph. Quote, Citing concerns over historical accuracy, Sutton pressed for approval rights over the script, but lost her bid and refused to allow the producers to use her name on the film. She later sued and received a small settlement, but not enough to make her rich. Her husband held two jobs, and she worked in various low-wage positions, including as a maid and a security guard, until her health began to deteriorate. Crystal Lee Sutton died from complications of brain cancer on September 11, 2009, in Burlington, North Carolina. She was 68 years old.
that wraps up another episode of Biopics Mostly Suck. If you liked it, please subscribe using your favorite podcasting platform. We are literally everywhere, except Spreaker. We don't do Spreaker. You can find all of the sources we use to build this episode at biopicsmostlysuck.com slash Norma Ray. I usually throw in some other goodies on the episode pages like videos or pictures. For Norma Ray, I have a couple of videos from Wakama Charlie Blue, which show the ruins of the mill where Norma Ray was filmed, and video of the Golden Cherry Motel as it exists today. It seems that back in 2016, there was quite a fire that took place at the mill and reduced the place to ashes. I want to thank Don and Lolita for talking about Norma Ray. Remember, you can find information about Crossing Guardians at crossingguardians.org. Go take a look at how you can support this organization that is doing work to save stray animals in the border area of San Diego. How are we doing with this project? Go like us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at the handle at MostlySuck. Or send us your feedback through our website, BiopicsMostlySuck.com. And you can recommend which movies you would like us to use for an episode. And we will share the true story behind that movie based on a true story. Take care, everyone.